3: hello and welcome to off the beat and track podcast i'm your host i'm Stu Whiffin. it's another week therefore it's another episode how are you all how you been i never sort of take a pause at this point and and ask how you are i hope you're all doing well um with uh, i've recorded this one just as the kind of the big um early august heat wave is subs- uh, uh, it's easy for me to say it's subsiding um and so yeah I've had a few sweats on in the uh, in the studio. I'm not going to lie, but um, this was a super cool one. The temperature had dropped, and I had a super cool guest, uh, and that guest is Jessica Hoop, and and we talk um, about. I mean, we don't even really get to go too deep into some incredible um, moments in her life, and um, we touch on some, but honestly, there's so much more I wanted to to discuss, but obviously times. Limited with you know with, with, with guests, and uh, we do touch on the fact that she ended up like uh, becoming a nanny for for Tom Waits and living off grid as a survivalist and teaching survivalist stuff um, in the uh, the hills of California and yeah disappearing with the Grateful Dead uh, and ah oh, just crazy crazy stories and. And it's yeah, she's got such a warm, calm, lovely nature. You're gonna you're gonna really enjoy this this chat. And needless to say, we talk about some wonderful records. Um a few thank yous, which I always have to do or like to do. Um I wanna thank Scroobius Pip. He's my mate. Um and he got me involved in this podcast, Malarkey, because I'm just a lispy guy from Essex that's got no broadcasting background or anything, but I'm just really into chatting about records and, and chatting to creative people about just creative journeys. I love it. And, uh, and so, yeah, I wouldn't be sort of getting to do these things if it wasn't for Pip uh, introduced me to podcasting. Um, And he's also uh, owns the distraction pieces network, which this podcast is very proud to be part of. Um, By the time this episode comes out, you can, go and listen to a brand new podcast. Uh, the first series will be out and it's called Tell Me About It and it's hosted by myself and Scroobius Pip uh, and it's some really lovely long-form interview episodes and yeah, I won't say a lot more. Um, there should be five episodes available now. Go check it out. It's called Tell Me About It with Scroobius Pip and a uh, little old me. Um, also, would like to thank 76 for producing the podcast. Huge love always to you lot. For, for listening and and sharing and retweeting and telling your pals about this podcast because it's just growing and growing and, and I couldn't be happier. So, so huge love and thanks to you. If it's your first time, um, you're very welcome. You're very welcome to come and join the party. It's been going for a while The party. Um, you've missed some guests that have been here. Um, you've missed me chatting to the likes of Blimey. uh Yellow Wolf, um, Chuck D, Motley Crew, Foo Fighters, um, Suede, Rag and Bone Man, The Killers, gosh, Kaiser Chiefs, The Kooks, <laughs> is there any more Ks I've had on? I'm trying to think. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a whole host of wonderful uh, musicians I've had on, loads of uh, incredible actors. Um, producers like Butch Vig and Fatboy Slim loads of uh, your favourite comedians have been on um, go check out the back catalogue um, you can listen to them all for free there's there's well over 400 episodes and you can just go and download them and listen to them for absolutely nothing um, if you'd like to support the podcast and you can spare one dollar a month it's 80p then you can subscribe to the Patreon Um over there you can listen to we can watch all the episodes. Um you get access to radio shows. Uh, I'm about to announce that I'm gonna be doing some uh live off the beaten track uh virtual shows on Zoom where um you can come and join and we'll do episodes on intros and so we'll just have a big open conversation where all of you lot can uh jump on and and we'll just talk about our favourite intros and if you're a nerd for music like me then it'd be a really fun a fun uh a fun little night so i'm gonna be doing that that's all over at patreon and yeah and it costs you about 20p a week and basically that that just goes in the pot to pay for the production to enable me to keep putting out two episodes for free each week because as i'm sure you probably realize it takes a lot of time and work to to put out you know two episodes a week but i love it so um it's, uh, it's, it's 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 no chore. It's really not. Um, but you can find out about the Patreon. You can find out about uh, where we are on social media, uh, merch, and everything else at our website, which is off the beat and not beaten, off the beat and track podcast.com. Okay, let's get on with today's episode. Please enjoy off the Beat & track podcast with the delightful Jessica Hoop sorry, ladies and gents, I've just got to jump in quickly and tell you that this podcast is proud to be in partnership with Hotel Chocolat. That's right. Hotel Chocolat, those people that make all the delicious chocolatey stuff, right? They have been my partner now for close to two years and I can't thank them enough. Um, And one way that I can kind of help them is by telling all you lot about what they're up to. You know all about the chocolate stuff because you, you go and get your chocolates from there. But Some of you like a little tipple of booze, right? So if you do, you need to check out their velvetised cream range. So what they've done is they've got loads of all your favourite spirits. And then they've added their lovely, chocolatey, magic-y stuff to it so you can get like uh, my favorite's the mint chocolate one go check out their mint chocolate velvetized cream because it is delicious the salty caramel one will blow your socks off as well there's loads you need to go and check out uh, the alcohol range that um, hotel chocolat do and i'm proud to tell you that this podcast is in partnership with hotel chocolat go check them out but right now get back to the podcast <music> It's Off The Beat & Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network with me, Stu Whipping. Okay, we are recording. Jessica, how are you today?
0: I'm fantastic, thanks. Good, yes, good, how
3: good. Are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. It's right. Uh, we've had a bit of thunder and, and, and lightning and rain, so it's kind of cleared the clouds a little, so it's it's not quite as, as hot and sweaty as it has been, uh, but... Uh, no, that I have an issue with the heat. I've really enjoyed it. We don't get a lot of it in the UK, so I don't understand yeah. it really when people kind of sort of start to bitch about it. I just think we get about three weeks at, at most a year of like hot weather and just like, yeah, basking it, not complain.
0: No, I mean, as a newcomer to summer, you're feeling it okay, yeah? <laughs>
3: yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. Um,
0: just before we I feel start. Like I, I feel like I can say that because I am from California
3: yeah yeah you get a lot but, of sunshine uh, there
0: yeah so i can I can act like a like as like a summered veteran, whereas the heat you guys are just still adjusting to to what it is to be warm,
3: yeah, yeah I'm on board, I love it, yeah, Jessica, before we get on to your song picks, I'm just gonna ask you to cast your mind back um a few months and and i I want to talk to you a little bit about the the eighteen months of lockdown and the world kind of grind into a hole and I just want you to tell me how you found it both personally and creatively.
0: Let's start with the the bad news first which is that personally the lockdown from well the broader situation of the political surroundings of a health issue were for me very trying because I come my I I am the only kind of liberal minded person in a a conservative family very very conservative um but but strangely like a strange combination of some belief some of the belief systems that were coming at me throughout the the whole process were really surprising. A lot of the ideas that were um, circulating around my family were uh, a total surprise to me. Having also left California coming to England and my particular circle being um, a little very liberal in their thinking, but also sharing some socialist values and um, that being a kind of a, a trigger word for many Americans trying not to to paint anyone with with broad strokes, but, like, uh, so I had a... It was very trying for my relationships, some of them. Um, uh, I'm not speaking with some of my people in my past. uh, Not by my choice, but if I was going to go along with um, government measures, then I wasn't welcome to join the party. So, um, for me, it was having to to ward off what I felt were the scarier stories that were meant to divide people. Yeah. And I had to really navigate what kind of information was coming my direction. And the thing that I was looking for the most was um, cynicism was the number one thing that I was looking for in the timbre of the information that was coming my way. And then also if it boiled down to um, division and fear. So for me, it was it still is one of the hardest things I've ever gone through. Um, because I don't think a a health issue should be something that, that drives people apart. Yeah. It should be something that, that brings people together. Yeah. Uh, or at least an opportunity to try and find a way to look after each other better. Um, so it literally was the hardest thing I've ever gone through. Um, Creatively, it was sublime because, you know, it was all of the time that anybody who makes stuff needs to sit down and make stuff. Um, I spent my morning times, every morning was spent, I, I would write anywhere from one to four hours every morning, depending on how easily music was moving at that morning. And then I would go into like a DIY project around the house and it was just, um, my, my whole lockdown experience was like living out the, the, like I like my potential for the art of living. Yeah. Um, in terms of how, how one would do it at home. Um, and it was very good for my, my, my relationship, my my partner, who I never speak about in interviews, but it was very good for us, it, was, it brought us closer. So a real mix, and I hope that I grew through the process.
3: Yeah. Let's talk records. I'm gonna ask you for track one please to tell me the song that you regard as having the greatest ever intro, please.
0: All right. It takes kind of bringing you outside of how you know it, um, which is the good, bad and the ugly.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, um, You think of the spaghetti Western with East, or sorry, Clint Eastwood. But if you listen to it out of context, listen to it in context too, it's amazing. But listen to it out of context. If you ever get the opportunity to put it through a proper stereo, if you ever get the opportunity to put it through studio monitors and and close your eyes and listen to the soundscape that Ennio Morricone has put together with The Good, Bad and the Ugly, it's remarkable how um, evocative it is, how unusual and how humorous it is but also daunting and cinematic and filled with space the the way he's recorded it is um whatever space he recorded that in it opens up your inner eye through your ears and you can see the the space around you when the music comes in um and I, I think that it really takes separating the song from the film and listening to it independently.
3: I don't think anyone has ever described question one quite as beautifully as that. <laughs> That's wonderful. I'll
0: take, I'll take it.
3: It's so strange because that that record. I remember my my my, my grandfather used to like. Um, have a, a, a whether it was a good the ugly soundtrack or just a, um, an any uh, record and and I can remember it like just playing that when I was really young and I had no idea that it was from a film I'd never seen the film but that song it's the, the words daunting and space that you said like just resonated the minute you said that I was like that was I remember sitting like literally in the middle of their front room, just with their stereo. He's going to play all their records and like, I'm putting that on and just thinking, wow, this is, this is, this is something, something out. This is something special. And I, I couldn't quite pinpoint what it was. I liked about it, but it sounded very different from anything else that I'd heard.
0: It just comes from such a, um, it's just really, it's very, it's very bold in its ideas. Like, that, wah, 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 The fact that he has people in the studio going, wah, wah, wah. It's just. He, he's got some nerve.
3: Yeah, absolutely. What a genius.
0: Rumor has it he would uh ask for his money in a paper bag up front.
3: Also. Love that. <laughs> Love that. Just someone just sliding a brown paper bag across to Ennio before he does anything. Love that.
0: Whoever <laughs> has it.
3: <laughs> I'm going to take you back, please. And, and I'm going to ask you to tell me the first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you, please, Jessica.
0: OK, well, it's... Um... This is going to be funny, but obviously it would have been something from my parents' record collection, right? Because you're asking for the first one.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I went through all sorts of different ones because, of course, there's so many. I thought about Christmas and I thought about, uh, you know, being Crosby and all, all the different things that, that, like, warm the cockles. But really what I landed on was Coming to America by Neil Diamond. Okay, and I think the reason why is because uh, we're coming to America today. Do you know that song? Yeah, of course. <laughs> da, 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 da. Uh, on Saturday mornings, um, in the house that Jack built, my dad was named Jack, and he built he built this great house where I where I grew up in the foothills of California, and he would turn the music on every Saturday uh, up really loud. And I've never actually seen a parent do that, like blast music in the house. And we'd all do chores. And it was like, it was that tune just got us absolutely going. And we we just were really enjoying working as a family. We were mopping the floors. And one time we caught a, a an opossum in a trash can and we had to shoot it. I don't know why we had to shoot it. I don't know. But these times were always backed with this really loud, um, I don't know, kind of, I don't know what you call it, my dad's music. Yeah. And th- th- that's really the one that took the, that was highlighted by my memory.
3: And when, if you had to pinpoint the emotion that, 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 got, you know, that, that, that triggered, what was that emotion?
0: I think it's happiness. Nice. Like, and and I think just I don't I don't know if it, it's I, I I don't know because uh, it's it's really cheesy it's a very cheesy yeah. song um, everything Neil Diamond does is cheesy
1: yeah
0: I think uh, I'm pretty sure um but I don't at the time it felt really uh, like it just felt like an anthem that really just got you going yeah and. I wasn't thinking about it too much, but we all loved Neil Diamond as a family. Yeah. And um I don't know, it was just like go team go, that kind of yeah. a feeling. So In a real way. In a real way.
3: Yeah. Was was California a nice place to grow up?
0: Does the Pope have a balcony? <laughs>
3: tell me tell me about um, tell me about growing up, like just give, give me give me a sort of an insight into you know what life was like for you growing up.
0: Well, we lived in, um, my we lived in the foothills, which has since well, more more recently been suffering the California wildfires. My dad's house is still standing, though we're not in it anymore. But that whole area burns. But back in the day, it was just these beautiful golden rolling hills. No fences yet. It was the 70s, mid-70s. I was born in 75. And it was really relaxed, very very safe feeling, very white where I grew up, um, very Mormon. I mean... My whole life was very Mormon. I was raised LDS until I was 16. And then I fucked off. Can I swear on your program?
3: Yeah, of course you can. Yeah.
0: Then I fucked off. And then, um, but before that, I was very much a part of my Mormon family. Our church was about three blocks down the road, and our whole community was Mormon. I was not meant to be friends with anyone outside the church. Um, but in that fishbowl, I was quite happy as a quiet kid. Um, I have, I'm the middle of five children uh, and we were an industrious family and we, we would sing together as a family. Um, My mom made all of our clothes. She was a homemaker, very devout Mormon. My dad was a struggling Mormon, I would say. Um, But we had like family pride. We're very proud to be hoops. Yeah. Um, and we had this idea of who we were yeah. uh, as, a, as a family. Um, uh, California it was all outdoor playing, was outdoors, outdoors, outdoors. Um, my mother would blow the whistle when it was finally time to come home. She'd kick us out. Um, what else can I say? I don't know. I was always identified as a singer. And um, was a terrible student.
3: Well, let's 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 talk about the, the them them days then, because for track three, I'm going to ask. You to tell me this song reminds you of your time at school, please.
0: Okay. Yeah. The reason why I chose this one is because let me make sure I've got it right. Yeah. You know, <laughs> the reason why I chose this one is because when I think about school, I think about high school the most and because I had my first ever like soul crushing, um, crush. Yeah. Like first one that like totally like absolutely like hurt me, you know. First time I was I was ever heartbroken. So he uh, this this particular this particular guy he um he used to love the police, and I adopted the. I mean, who doesn't love the police? But like, or you mean the people who don't love the police. I love the police. Um. So there's uh, I don't know what record that's off of. Don't stand so close to me. What record's that off of? Uh, don't stand, don't stand so close to me. You know. But the, it's really creepy, that tune. It's really creepy. And creepy, and the video's creepy. And if my teachers looked like that, I would totally stand too close to them. Yeah. Sting
3: was a teacher, but, wasn't he?
0: I mean, Sting, in the in the video, he's playing this really sexy, like, ruffian teacher who completely suggestive to the girls. And what a creep, dude. But... Anyway, I like the chorus a lot. I love the song still. Yeah. Like the chorus, is great. And I like how they, I like how they keep going longer with their little hooks than you. Then, you think they're gonna go back to the verse, but they just keep going yeah. on their little hooks. And so it was because of the boy crush that I, um, that this, this that, that, that that I chose the police because it just signifies heartbreak for me an absolute absolute obsession. I think,
3: um, I'm sure I heard an interview with Michael Stipe and he said that he drew so much from that song for losing my religion, like that song of like absolute obsession. And, and I'm sure he said that was like a key kind of vision for when he was writing losing my religion. He drew from that and the kind of level of obsession in that record. Oh, (laughs) um, Tell me a little bit about school. Did you enjoy it?
0: Did I enjoy school? Yes, I did. Looking back, I did. I was a bad, I was not a good student, like I said. Uh, I was in my, in my final year of high school. I slipped through the cracks. I, I'm certain I didn't have the marks to graduate. How could I? Because I spent literally every single class period in the drama building. Yeah, I got kicked out of choir. I was like a, I was a, I was a star choir student. I was one of the youngest people to ever be let in the choir, but I got kicked out for smoking pot on a bus with the same that same boy that I referenced earlier. His name was Theo, Theodore. So his name was Theo, and I and I went with him to to prom, and all of the like uh, the school stars, like the 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 soccer players and the football players and the class president. And the we all went on a bus to this restaurant and we were smoking pot and drinking and we got turned in and then we all lost our positions and our, you know, punitive measures. We all lost our, you know, spots. Yeah. And so I got kicked out of choir. So I moved into the drama building, which I'm not as good at drama, but, I just spent my entire senior year in the drama building, which means I didn't go to math, I didn't go to history, I didn't go to English, I didn't get any of the marks you need, but they still graduated me. You, you
3: mentioned that you know, yeah. you, you, what's that? You mentioned that you wasn't a good student and uh, and you know you was like, uh, rebelling and stuff and 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 smoking weed and. Was would you say that you was a confident kid?
0: No. I'm still not a confident kid. Yeah. <laughs> I just know that I have to work. I have to I have to have some level of belief in myself.
3: Well confidence I think is never too far from, from drive. Are you driven?
0: I am. I am driven. Um I have my own chemistry to deal with, my brain chemistry and my in my body that I have, I have to motivate. Um, but I have more than I'm driven, I would say that I'm, I'm drawn to, um, I'm drawn to a beautiful life and I'm, and I desire to create beauty for, for myself and everyone around me. So whatever that And that takes a lot of focus and a lot of work. And um, so in that way, I would say I'm driven, but I, I can't, I can't, I can't like justify ambition in my brain. Okay. And I could barely, I couldn't justify standing in the center of a room and drawing attention to myself for the longest. I mean, that's part of why I started so late. I started when I was 32. I put my first record out when I was 32. And uh, and part of it is because it didn't make any logical sense to put myself in the center of room and ask people to pay attention to what it is I had to say. I've always um, been writing and always been singing and always considered that to be my strongest um, uh, set of skills, but um, couldn't, couldn't imagine taking up, you know, sucking the air out of the room.
3: You mentioned though that you you know you you was always a singer. You mentioned that a while uh, a while back, and was there any other considerations as to things that you wanted to pursue at school, or was it always creating art?
0: No, I I I never well, I never had an idea of what I wanted to be. When I was much younger, I thought I'd be a dancer, and then at a certain point when my parents split up, there was no keeping track of me there was no keeping track maybe the older boys had some direction but from me down the the sibling line there was no keeping track so I didn't think about my future at all yeah like not at all I thought eventually like once I moved out of high school I thought maybe I would I would farm I I thought I would I would like co-op land with people and live off the grid and farm and I probably will still do that to be fair <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
1: Uh,
0: so um, but I, I at one point when I was at a kind of this point with my dad he, w- he was kicking me out of the house and he was like you're going to need a plan that was as close as it came yeah. to like checking on my my trajectory
3: yeah it's like
0: oh how do you spell that (laughs) (laughs) all right i'll look into it
3: yeah when did you start looking into that
0: (laughs) when i was 20 (laughs) when i was 20 um when i was 24 i i decided i was gonna climb down off the mountain i had been out, like living outdoors, working in a survival, like a far out survival program in the high mountains of of Arizona. I lived outdoors for six months in extreme weather. And um, I decided I was going to move back to California, find a chicken shack, fix it up, start a band. And that's it. That's what I did. I found, I found a chicken shack. It was in a blackberry bush. I fixed it up. I moved into it. I had to clear out a mattress, a bottle of piss, and a used condom. And I, and I tiled the floor and put it in a wood-burning stove and built a porch and had an outdoor kitchen. And I lived in that for a good five years. I paid $50 a month. I had a phone line, though, and electricity. But no running water. Oh, I did have—I had a hose. I had a hose. Anyway, so I, I lived in that shack for a long time, and um, I started a band called Majesty's Monkey, and it was—it was—it was weird girl music. Do you know Coco Rosie? Yeah. Remember Coco Rosie? Remember how kind of strange they were?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That weird girl music. Yeah. Well, my shit is way weirder than that. <laughs> okay. It's like so weird, I can barely listen to it myself. So That's what I was. I was 24, and I decided I was going to pursue music.
3: And, and am I right in saying that there was some support and encouragement from you, was, you? You'd done some work for Tom Waits, is that right?
0: Yeah, it was right around that time that I I met those folks. It was like I'm going to start a band, and I I met I met those folks, and and they did. They helped. They helped encourage me, and helped kind of meet some of the right people. One of the persons is still very much a champion in my life. and uh, you know the whole process of, of working in this field is definitely handshake to handshake. Yeah So you, you have to you have to gather the right people around you. Yeah. It doesn't work any other way. No other way.
1: That's stamps.com. Code program. Okay.
3: Tell me about the first record you bought from a record store.
0: Oh, that was uh, Sergeant Pepper's, The Beatles.
3: The first one's meant wouldn't... to be embarrassing, Jessica. You've got a super cool one for your first record.
0: Well, I gave you Neil Diamond.
3: <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, but, it, but it's true because. Um, so when I, I I was twelve, when I bought my first record, and um, my dad had uh, Help in his record collection, and I was allowed to listen to Help, um, but I wasn't allowed to listen to anything past that because of drug of the drugs they were on. They went turned psychedelic, and my mom. It was like falling in line with that old cliche and but but the, the the boy that I was oh I guess actually this was actually my this was actually my first crush oh my god I forgot about that There's probably so many more his name was Mark he was 18 and I was 12 so <laughs> so I was he was this golden boy and I was absolutely obsessed with this boy this young man and we would sit there and sing. Um, we had a theater in my basement. We had a theater, and there was all these tap dancing, these tap dancing gay men, tap dancing gay thespians in my basement, putting on a Roger and Hammerstein review. And this eighteen-year-old golden boy was sitting with me at the piano, we're singing Beatles tunes, and he introduced me to Sgt. Pepper's, and I went out and got a cassette tape.
3: Tell me about the sort of visual aesthetic to, to to music for you. Because for me, when I first saw Sgt. Pepper's, and it's obviously a very iconic sleeve, but, but it, you know, and, and just for me growing up, going through record stores, just being able to get lost in... I'm
0: listening. I have to plug in my computer. I am listening.
3: Okay. I had to, um, you know, I, I would just get lost looking at, at the sleeves and, and and just being able which is something i feel he's lost now and i don't feel like in the sort of current climate of downloads and 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 such and maybe some of it was even lost a little with with, with cds but i just think being able to walk through a record store and just get lost looking at, at record sleeves was something beautiful
0: there, there absolutely is. I don't like record stores because they give me a headache. Like libraries and and charity shops, but,
3: but I right, and we're not going past that yet, right? Explain to me why you get a headache in those three places.
0: There's too many choices. Unless it's incredibly well, um, in, case it, in case it's incredibly well edited, did. in case it's incredibly well edited to my taste. Okay. I will get overwhelmed and I will just like, it'll paralyze me. Yeah. But with that said, like looking at For the Roses by Joni Mitchell, just that picture of her in the forest looking like my spirit animal, like it it's pure nostalgia. Yeah. It's the, it's the stuff that nostalgia is made of. And I'm a real fan of nostalgia. Yeah. And I appreciate living in the present moment, but it's great when you can conjure up some really beautiful visceral memories Absolutely. and, and all the sleeves do that. Yeah. Especially when they're original. Um, what do you call it? Edition. Like when they're from, like the first edition when they're from the original time and they've all, my partner who's nine years older than me has a lot of records from the first pressings in the, uh, in the eighties and nineties, Yeah, you know, and they have a totally different feeling.
3: I'm going to ask you for track five to tell me the song that soundtracked your time clubbing.
0: Okay, let me see what I, I have to remember. What I wrote. Let's see. Oh yeah. Okay. So my introduction to clubbing was quite, um, quite later, quite a bit later. I guess I was in my, I was in my mid to late twenties because as soon as I left high school, I went straight into like, Grateful Dead territory.
1: Yeah.
0: I joined. I joined the Deadheads for the last gasp of the Grateful Dead touring circuit. And, um, but after that, I met like dance hall DJs. Sonoma County where I was from, there was some really great dance hall DJs. And reggae is really big in California. Yeah. But um, the dance hall, it's that song Heads High by, um, Mr. Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm not, in no way like a dance hall, um, or, or like connoisseur, but I used to love dancing to dance hall. Um, and I don't know, just some of the quirkiest music out there, quirkiest, coolest, yeah, funnest stuff to dance to.
3: That's such a great record as well. That's such a great show.
0: Yeah. yeah, And, and those voices, you know, like what great voices,
3: I'm going to take you home for track six and I'm going to ask you to tell me a favorite song from an artist from your home County, please.
0: Oh, from my home count oh my, my, my home County.
3: You can, you can go country. You, of the 445 podcasts I've done, I reckon 400, <laughs> 400 people have said, Oh, is it County? I thought it was country. So don't worry. You're in very good company. Said
0: county. You said County. I read country. I read the country, but, you know, I mean, Tom Waits, obviously, we're from the same county. Yeah. I mean, he lives in... We're not, we're not from the same county. I'm a native there. He moved there. But um, Tom Waits, obviously, I mean, anyone from Sonoma County, that would be the answer, right? Yeah. yeah. yeah.
3: Be rude not to. And if you had to pick a Tom Waits track?
0: Um, a Tom Waits track, well... Pro, is it is it like picture in a frame or is it called? Well, it's time, 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 it's time, time, time that you love. Well, it's time, time, time. Or day after tomorrow is gorgeous, yeah. supply. Um I really fell in love with Tom Waits with the Bone Machine. That was the first record where I of that of his that I purchased and hadn't I hadn't met him yet, but kind of was. Aware of the the beast that he is, musically speaking. Um, yeah, my answer is Tom. Wonderful. So it this, was Paul when I was thinking of country.
3: Right. So let's let's talk about that as well. Like let, let's talk about that because that that song and your last track. I'm really which we'll get onto. But I like the fact that they're kind of tracks that come later in the artist's career and t- t- tell me about your your your, your you know i presume there's a love of paul simon
0: yeah, Paul Simon, in my mind is well I, I opened for paul i had the great honor of opening for Paul Simon at Hyde Park a few years ago, and i it's the only time I've ever seen him in concert, and I was just blown away one how integral the songs are in my life, but also how one man is responsible for so many great songs. And, you know, there's a few others like him. Bob Dylan is responsible for so many great songs, but Paul Simon, more personally for me, um, in the way that I've had his music with me for, as a constant in my life, uh, just song after song after song of just great, storytelling and great melody and chord structures and arrangements and just sound like formula sounding just absolute expert in his craft.
3: Yeah. 100%. You know?
0: Just knows precisely what he's doing and, you know, whatever human as he is, is an absolute hero to me. So Obvious Child is from my favorite Paul Simon record, which is Rhythm of the Saints. Uh, And you should watch the video. The video is great. Um, He's in, I think he's in Brazil, somewhere in Brazil. And he's got like a 100 drummers surrounding him. And it's just him with his guitar and he's just playing it super cool, singing this song along with this this drum chord. And it it's just one of the most badass things you've ever seen in your life in terms of music. Yeah, absolutely.
3: For track seven, you get to be tastemaker and, and influence people and... I'm going to ask you to tell me a song that you think many people may not know that you would like them to hear.
0: Well, I, I, I chose something that, I mean, I'm not sure that it's in terms of making taste, but it's a song that I really love every time I hear it. Um, and I chose it because if you, if you're familiar with me, you wouldn't expect me to say this song. You might think I would suggest something by, I don't know, I'm not, I don't know what people think, but like something by Agnes Sobel or Laura Marling or Fiona Apple. But I chose uh, Tears for Fears, um, Break It Down Again, because it just is such a feel-good song. And I wanted to, I just wanted to like open up the idea that I had, there's a real basic bitch inside of me. Because the song is it's very, very, very poppy. But it's also just fabulous. Like whenever I, I've done a few um, a few radio shows for Six Music, and I always put it on. Yeah, it's such a, it, it's such a good song. And it's, you know that song,
3: yeah. Yeah, I, I'm a, I'm a huge Tears for Fears fan. Um, yeah, and I, it's
0: not a big tune, but it is it is like mainstream. Yeah, stuff.
3: and it, it's that. I think that was the first single that was Tears for Fears was just Roland not as Kurt and Roland I think Kurt had left the band at that point and that was the sort of comeback single that Roland released himself and
0: yeah yeah, yeah. and I yeah. think um, uh, and...
3: yeah off the back of the huge success of Seeds of Love album you know where I guess at that point I of the biggest bands in the world and great comeback single it's got such it's got an urgency to it and it's got like the the, the stabbing strings he's brilliant and that melody when the chorus drops his vocal line so good
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah yeah it's 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 like hook hook galore yeah. it's got so many great like parts that latch onto you yeah. and the vocal is is um in full force and and um but also it just drives and it it doesn't it doesn't It's like exactly what you want from Cheers for Fears.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah, that's a great way to describe it. It really does, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, because when you had, it's like, it's like shout, but like 2.0.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, 2022s are far more connected and, and hopefully, you know, that the pandemic and and the stuff that 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 came from that is starting to kind of you know become a memory and and looking forward to the second half of this year that we're seeing gigs are happening festivals are happening and a normal service appears to be resuming in in some way shape or form what's going to be happening jessica
0: well right now i'm getting prepared to um getting a show together um we're starting to tour uh our first date is on April 29th I start April 29th October 29th 2022 um that's to support my record order of romance which we've been rolling out singles for we've put out three singles so far um and it 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 it, it lands in the physical realm on September 15th So you can, I mean, you can pre-order it now, but you'll, you know, it will go out on September 15th and then um, you can have it and learn the songs and get ready to go to a show. And I'm going to bring a trio around around the United Kingdom and around Europe um, starting October 29th. And um, we'll go into the United States and yeah, uh, it's going to be cool. It's going to be like a lot of, Harmonies, a lot of full-on singing in, in full-on harmonic fashion.
3: Wonderful. And if people want to find out all about what you've got coming up, where's the best place to keep up to speed with with what Jessica Hoop's doing?
0: I, well, I would say um, Instagram is a great place. Twitter's it's it's Jessica dot com or Jessica Hoopster on Instagram, Jessica Hoop on Twitter. Um, and Facebook, all the, all those, we, we tag team all those platforms. Um, but yeah, also there is a little, a little ask Jessica tab. If you want to ask me anything.
3: Wonderful. Love
0: that. Yeah. I mean, depends on what you ask.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, if it's cool with you, then we'll tag you, uh, in the artwork when this goes out on all the social media. So those that aren't following you yet can go and follow you and find out where they can come and get your record and catch you live.
0: I'd like that very much. I I enjoyed this chat.
3: Good. It's been lovely. Uh, It's really nice. I love hearing people getting excited about talking about records and, and, and creative journeys. It's interesting. That's why I've done this podcast. It's been a real, a real joy. So thanks loads, Jess, for, uh, for your time, mate. It's been, it's been lovely
0: let us know if we're in the area and we'll have you come to a show
3: oh that'd be <laughs> wonderful that'd be wonderful i will work. is there going to be a london date
0: yeah we're playing at earth in london
3: oh i love that venue as well uh, yeah yeah i'll come say hi at earth
0: yeah let us know i will we'll get you started. okay
3: lovely thanks loads jess
0: great enjoy the day
3: there you go, Jessica Hoop, just kicking back, hanging out with Tom Waits, you know. Um, oh, there was so much other stuff that um, I wanted to touch on uh, on that. Like literally go and, go and do a deep dive and see if you can find some other interviews with, with, with Jessica because her life's like, when you, I was prepping for this and sort of looking into what she'd done, crackers, absolutely crackers, what a life. And uh, yeah, so uh, go check out... Um, jessica and the new record and go see her live um other than that um thanks to everybody for listening um i really appreciate that as mentioned head over to patreon sign up now for for a uh, dollar a month and uh, and then yeah swing by to one of the the live hangouts and uh because they're going to be a lot of fun these little live shows and uh yeah and get access to loads of other stuff but essentially support the podcast i'm back next time in the meantime, um, be nice to each other and uh, and I'll see you soon. Love ya. It's off the Beat and Track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Keep me stew with it.
1: Boy.